Blog Talk Radio.
It's that time once upon a long time ago and Eastern Airlines. And we're going to try this with just uh, yours truly, uh, Captain Neal and Captain Mike Scott. Mike, how are you doing this, this afternoon? Good there, Captain Neal. It's uh, up here at 53 degrees and sunny and uh, not a stitch of wind blowing. It's a beautiful day up here in Long Island, New York. Okay, 53, did you say it was the high? Yeah, 53, yeah. Okay, man, the flowers are probably popping up. <laughs> <laughs> They're about to. Yeah, we've had uh, a little bit of rain here, and we need it. Uh, Florida always needs rain, and we get our fair share, I guess. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about Eastern Airlines, of course, with these shows that we do every Monday. And I uh, decided that we would uh, kind of go back once upon a long time ago to a couple of cities that I'm familiar with and uh, and Mike is familiar with. And so we're just going to share some memories about these cities. Of course, uh, I'm going to start off, Mike, if you don't mind, talking about my uh, almost hometown. Of course, I was born in North Carolina. And uh, my mama moved uh, my brother and I back in 1944 down to Miami Beach. And we lived there right off Alton Road on West Avenue facing the the Fleetwood Hotel. Now, the old Fleetwood Hotel was a multi-storied hotel on Biscayne Bay, facing Biscayne Bay on Miami Beach. And and, uh, during the war... 44 when we got there I was a little kid and um, I remember that the hotel had been uh, taken over by the United States uh, Armed Forces and it was a rehab hospital as well as the Venetian uh, Hotel right there on Venetian Causeway uh, just uh, down the bay from the Fleetwood so we were right in front in some apartment buildings there on Miami Beach and and as kids, we would look for things to do. We had to find our own entertainment. We didn't have the joysticks and the hot boxes and things like that in those days. I don't think you did either, did you, Mike? No, I didn't. 
<laughs> you had to look for your own entertainment, right? Well, you had a rubber ball and a uh, and a broom handle that was chopped off. Play a little stick ball. <laughs> yeah, or either ride that broom handle like a horse and play uh, cowboys and Indians. You know. That's true. Yeah. yeah. I remember those days, but anyhow, we would uh, we would wrap some strings around some old Australia Australian palms because the park right in front of us, off to the side of the Fleetwood Hotel, had a lot of uh, area that we could uh, set up a, a boxing ring, and we got. To, hang on a second. I want to. Well, I, I want to ignore that call and 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 mute my phone. But at any rate, we would uh, do some boxing for the troops that were recovering from World War II when they were sent back home and put in the Fleetwood Hotel for rehab uh, and also served as a hospital. So that was way back once upon a long time ago, golly, 1944. And um, never did I know at that young age that I would be working for the world's greatest airline, in my opinion. And well, uh, most people true. that listen to this radio radio show, Eastern Airlines. And uh, but it was several years, twenty some years later, that I did go to work in 1963 with Eastern Airlines. So that was a long time ago. Now, how about you, Mike? Where did you grow up, and and uh, how did you come uh, come about working with Eastern? Tell me a little bit about it. Well, the Eastern thing probably came from uh, my dad. Of course, he was uh, he was an Eastern pilot uh, hired in '41, and uh, initially I was born in, uh, in in New York City and down in Manhattan, and we lived out on on Long Island, and then uh, uh, that my dad was flying out of uh, out of LaGuardia, and then they had the uh, uh, that the military transport division, which you're aware of, uh, with Eastern and a lot of the other airlines, yeah. And he, he moved down to uh, to Miami, and I have a picture of him standing I'm on the wall here of him standing in front of a house in in Miami, which is no longer there, in his eight in his ATC uniform, uh, <laughs> and I I still have his hat badge and his wings and all that stuff from from that era. But that's uh, they, he was down there. I forgot. I guess it was uh, several years that he flew for the MTD, and uh, like like a whole bunch of the other uh, uh, pilots that were, he, he was started out there. I think he was a captain at the end, uh, uh, but he was mostly most of the time he was flying as a co-pilot down there. Went through flying through uh, uh, Miami down through Natal and. Uh, uh, Recife and up through Ascension Island and to Accra, mm-hmm. South Africa, and all of that. But that's the time. That's the time I spent uh, down there. And of course, I was I was born in June of '41, so I don't remember too much about the whole thing. And uh, after that was over, uh, they moved back to to New York, and I spent most of my time uh, out on uh, living on Long Island, and uh, of course started with model airplanes right away and. That was the infection with that, with my dad flying, and he taught me how to fly the model airplanes, and uh, and then it kind of went from there. And then I, uh, I didn't stay interested in the airplanes for uh, I, had a, I had a gap that le- a little while. I got interested in uh, chasing uh, blondes around and, and fooling with '57 <laughs> Chevys when I got out of school, and until it was time for me to. Uh, uh, Get, uh, it was coming close to me getting drafted, and 
Well, actually, to back up just a little bit, when I was 16, my dad took me out to uh, Zahn's Airport, which is a local airport, is no longer yeah. here. He got me a couple of lessons in a, in a J3 Cub, but uh, my interests were still uh, uh, not tuned where they should have been. Uh, so I don't want to make a whole long story too boring here, but that's kind of the way it started. It uh, started slow, and then when I was in the Air Force, that's... Uh, it picked up from there. and uh, Well, Mike, uh, w- when did you start in maintenance, and how did you get your maintenance background? Because you have, a, well, I, you were I, in maintenance, I, and I, then you flew air, the uh, the big guy, the big guys. So how did you start? Yeah, I, well, I ended up, uh, I was always, you know, I was with the cars. It started out as being a mechanic. You know, I worked in a Chevrolet dealer as a mechanic and racing cars and whatnot, and I came up to me be getting drafted. And I didn't want to get drafted. I waited till I was almost 22 years old before I went into service. And uh, and at that particular time, I had already taken the what they call an AFQT, an Air Force qualifying test, when I was a senior in high school. So I had all of those marks from that time. And then when they, uh, uh, my my sister-in-law to be actually worked in the draft board in Great Neck where I lived. And she told me that uh, my number was going to be coming up within about three or four months to be drafted into the Army. And I said, well, there's not too many civilian jobs out there to shoot a howitzer or drive a tank or uh, one of those things. So I said, I better get some education out of this. So I joined the Air Force for four years, and they started me off. I went to school to be a, an aircraft airframe repairman, a sheet metal type guy. So that's where that began with the with the aircraft structures work and then it spilled over into me getting my a license and then uh, when i went to work for eastern airlines after the service i was of course uh, i worked for grumman first for about a year and then I, I my dad actually got me a job over at eastern and then i got my p license over there and the 727 was the thing that changed my mind about the whole thing i saw that 727 i of course i flew to miami on my honeymoon on one of the first 727s back in the early 60s. And uh, so I saw a 727. I said, one of these days, I'd like to be a captain on one of those. So right then and there, I said, well, my VA benefits kicked in, and I started to fly, and that's where it all went. But uh, the Eastern Airlines uh, maintenance end was, was the, the basis, second basis after the Air Force to get me going with all of the mechanics and uh and on the flying end, because uh, I, I was one of those guys that uh, started to go to college, but then dropped out of it. And I was a little bit on the old side. Like I said, I didn't go in the, to the Air Force until I was 22 years old. So they used to call me the old man, even in basic training. Everybody else was uh, 17 and 18 years old when I was 22. <laughs> so uh, that's kind of where it went. I uh, I had a heck of a time trying to get uh, a job with any airline at all because of, of the qualifications that I had. And uh, a job happened to come along in the corporate field, and that's where I ended up uh, leaving Eastern yeah. after all those years for, for the opportunity. Well, we'll talk to you a little bit uh, more about uh, your corporate world. Uh, I just wanted to uh, – play uh well let's see i'm gonna i'm gonna mention my uh involvement in aviation how it all started 
and I had no idea I wanted to fly airplanes. I, I knew, uh, uh, like you, I used to build model airplanes, the old stick-built airplanes, and uh, yeah. and um, mostly, uh, you know, Piper Cubs and uh, World War II uh, Jennies and that type of airplane. And right, never yeah. even entered my mind that aviation was uh, going to be in my life. And until I went into high school, my brother had been going to a high school in Miami uh, known as Technical High School, Tech High, we called it. And I used to say that uh, all of the high schools, the public high schools in Miami, Edison, Miami, Jackson, uh, the beach, um, uh, Miami High and Clark Gables and all that, all those uh, students that uh, they rejected uh, wound up in the trade school known as Tech High School where you could get a vocation, you could uh, study for a vocation and get your high school diploma. And so in 1951, I enrolled in there because my brother was going and taking up photography and he was three years ahead of me. And I decided that I'd go to Tech High School too, but uh, I was going to look into the Eastern, I mean, uh, the uh, the uh, A&P mechanics course. We call it A&E back in those days, aircraft yeah. and engine. And uh, so I went through three years there and met some great guys in, in my class. And I got my high school diploma and got uh, my mechanics ratings and and um, took off to California with a friend of mine who's been on the show, Larry Sapp, my best uh, high school friend. And, uh, and another guy, and we couldn't find a job out there and came back and and um, and and then I uh, got away from aviation for a little bit and opened a restaurant over on Miami Beach after high school and um, had a restaurant called the Chef's Oven right there on Arthur Godfrey Road and um, was there until I went off to college and uh, met my wife there in college, Mars Hill. It's uh, Mars Hill College. It's Mars Hill University now. I met her and... Uh, and we got married in 58, and I decided that about that time I'd like to get back in aviation. And so I did. I went out to Tamiami Airport and took flight lessons. I'd already been given a few lessons by a high school friend of mine who was class ahead of me in the A&P shop, A&E shop, and Johnny Dreyer. And Johnny gave me some instructions like your dad did in the Piper Cub and uh, soloed, as a matter of fact, uh, over at Browns Airport. Uh, down by Kendall, and um, so at any rate, to make a long story short, got my uh, my commercial rating and flight instructor and instrument and all that at Tamiami Airport, and and uh, and I'll tell you a little bit more about what happened with Eastern Airlines after we play a a song. Let's get uh, a song going, and let, I've got the first one selected, and I think it's appropriate because we're talking a little bit about Miami. Today and uh, so see if you like this one by Paul Monroe. Moon over Miami, shine on my love and me, so we can stroll beside the road of the road. Shine on as we 
come true when the tide comes in. Hark to the song of the smiling troubadours, hark to the throbbing guitar. Hear how the waves offer thunderous applause after each song to the stars. Moon over Miami, you know we're waiting for a little love, a little kiss on Miami You know, Moon Over Miami was uh, recorded and sung by several uh, singers. I like Ray Charles singing that song. And also Bing Crosby sang it. Perry Como sang it. Uh, A couple of gals uh, sang it also. And and uh, but uh, I always go back to Vaughn Monroe. I love that deep voice of his uh, Moon Over Miami. Yeah, yeah. We, and like we had mentioned on, on some previous shows, we did a little, a little uh, background on him, and he was also a, uh, a pilot. Uh, you know, he had his, uh, you know, single and multi-engine rating. Yeah. I had forgotten about that. Yeah. Uh, he didn't. Now he wasn't in the war, was he? As a military pilot. Or? I just don't recall that right off. I guess we'd have to go yeah. back to the to the Google to find out. Yeah, there you go. There you yeah. go. But, you know, uh, to me, growing up in Miami from 44 until the time I left Miami to fly with Eastern Airlines or to work for Eastern Airlines and fly, of course, where I was, uh, my first domicile was in Washington, D.C. I stayed there for a year until uh, Atlanta opened up for for bidding, and uh, even though I'd only been with the company for a year, 
they had closed Charlotte as a base and New Orleans as a base. And so uh, the bidding was uh, available to even us junior pilots uh, still on probation. And mm, so I yeah. stuck my little bid sheet in for Atlanta, got Atlanta, and there I stayed until retirement. So that's how that came about. And, and, um, but I remember growing up uh, in Miami, ne- never thinking too much about 36th Street uh, and beyond, uh, in other words, beyond moving westerly toward the airport. Uh, we did own a home one time right behind the old aviation building on 27th Avenue right off 36th Street. I don't know yeah. if you recall that or not, Mike. But uh, it used to be called the old chicken coop building, the aviation building, uh, because they stored a lot of chickens in there. Uh, and, uh, uh, and and I guess it was a wholesale area that uh, restaurants and so forth would buy the chickens. But uh, it did house World War II, the training, uh, and Embry-Riddle was there for years, uh, both in maintenance and also uh, flight ground school. And I did go to ground school there with uh, Ember Little back in the uh, 50s. But uh, didn't go too much further uh, across the tracks over into the Miami Springs area until uh, I went to work for Eastern Airlines. And um, you didn't spend too much time in training. I think I asked you earlier if you did any maintenance training down there, I think all of yours was up in the New York area, except, of course, the initial courses and uh, when you first came with the company, right? Right. They had sent me down uh, twice uh, for a – actually, I think I went to uh, Airbus uh, school down there. And uh, also, they when I was becoming a uh, – or el- becoming eligible to – or being thought of to become a, a, a maintenance foreman – they sent me down to go through a test in what they call like charm school. Yeah, and I think we stayed at the uh, one time at the at the uh, at the Kings Inn, and uh, I think the other time was up in the villas there, which you're all yeah. familiar with. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's where all the girls were, especially the flight. Oh, yeah, teams. between that and <laughs> Ronnie's uh, Ronnie's Skyways and uh, and, uh, Travers, and the pilot yeah. house and a yeah. few of the other ones that were yeah. there. Were, were, was the Chesapeake restaurant still open when you were uh, down there, the Chesapeake, right over there, Miami Highlight, where the Miami Highlight was uh, on 36th Street? I don't recall it. I, I remember the yeah. Highlight, yeah, where that was. And we most of the time we used to, uh, when I got, you know, after I had left Eastern, we'd, we'd stay at the... Uh, you know the Sheraton River uh, River House there, or the uh, yeah. the Marriott, yeah. the ones that were off of uh, off of uh, Lejeune, Lejeune Road. Road. Yeah, yeah. And, oh uh, yeah. So. Well, you know, uh, Eastern was there on 36th Street, pretty much across. Well, from Lejeune Road all the way up north to the Hartley Building, eventually uh, the Training Building, and uh, yeah. then followed by Pan American. I think was west west of that, and all the way out to Cockroach Corner, or the the northwest corner of the airport. Would that be the northwest Corrosion corner? Yeah, corner, that would be yeah. the northwest. Yeah, northwest corner, Cockroach Corner, where all the uh, abandoned airplanes uh, were, and even yeah. a even a a um, what do you call it? Um, the first 
jet. The first commercial jet was what? The Comet. Oh, Comet. Yeah, I remember that Comet sitting there all by itself for years and years. Yeah. And uh, I'm sure that uh, they moved all that equipment out and put nice buildings out there now. But, well, that's um, all. The EPA got involved with, uh, you know, they had Corrosion Corner also in, uh, in Fort Lauderdale yeah. and yeah, Miami. But right. the EPA got after them, and they eventually got rid of all of that they had to because uh, any of the oils were going into the ground and whatever else. They just they they, they wanted to clean the airports up. And, uh, of course, I didn't yeah. really start hanging around down in, in, in Miami, Fort Lauderdale myself until uh, – until the early 80s, that's when I was uh, kind of hanging around down there. Well, tell me about the New York area where you grew up. I'm, there are a lot of airports up there, and you talked earlier about Zahn Airport. Uh, some of the airports, what happened to them? Mike, uh, can you name and identify some of the airports around? Well, there was a lot Ice, of them. We had uh, Islip. Uh, we are still here, of course. That's Islip, known as Islip MacArthur, and that's that's been that's always been there, and it still yeah. is. And of course, uh, yeah. Southwest and uh, and Frontier fly out of there now, and it's 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 gone. They have extended the runway. They got uh, originally they had the longest runway was five thousand feet, and then it's been extended now to seven thousand. So they're they're in good shape there, and it's it's a very busy airport. And I believe fact, right Eastern south. went there, didn't 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 we go into? Oh, oh yes, yes you did exactly. Mm-hmm. I, I I flew Eastern out of there a few times uh, when I was okay. going down to uh, actually down to Miami to visit a friend of uh, my lady friend that I had down that I that I uh, acquired a lady friend in in Miami <laughs> that I used to commute to see. <laughs> okay, <laughs> but they did have uh, flights there until uh, until you know, came towards the end. And, of course, we had uh, Deer Park Airport, which was another uh, general yeah. aviation airport on Long Island. And, that, and that's, of course, now been, it's gone. And it's a uh, it's a business and housing complex as as uh, Zahn's Airport, which was uh, a very popular airport. And that was just south of uh, Farmingdale Airport, which is a large military airport, which is uh, Republic Republic Airport, where the uh, Republic Aviation was. But that's no longer there. There's a mall where Republic Aviation was. Well, I remember flying into uh, Idlewild, and then Idlewild became Kennedy. Do you remember about what year that was? When they it was shortly the after Ke- shortly after uh, yeah. John F. Kennedy was assassinated. Was assassinated. 60, shortly after '63, sometime. Yeah, because '63 is when it. I flew Convair in there uh, yeah. on a few occasions, and the Electra. And yeah. um, and then after that, it became Kennedy International, of course. And yeah. uh, of course, LaGuardia is LaGuardia. And, yeah, uh, they were both uh, actually called New York uh, New York Municipal Airports at one time. Oh, LaGuardia okay. and and Kennedy and or, or Idlewild, as we say. Well, you know what Miami Municipal Airport was before Miami Municipal Airport. I, I I don't offhand. Amelia Earhart Field. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I wasn't it, aware of that either. If I it, did, I forgot. <laughs> yeah, and it became Miami Municipal, and of course, then Miami International. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, they had the military. Uh, I was in the 
the um, Air Force there on the base on the west uh, side of the of the base was the Air Force Reserves. And uh, a funny story about that, when I joined the Air Force in the reserve unit, uh, the commanding officer was a, a Colonel uh, John B. McBride. Now, John was one of the first captains I flew with with Eastern Airlines. And uh, <laughs> I kind of remembered the name. And when I first met him flying out of Washington, I asked him, I said, uh, have you ever flown out of uh, Miami? At the, were you ever in the Air Force? He said, yeah, I was a commanding officer at, uh, at 465th Troop Carrier Wing, which I was a member of. And yeah. so... And that's how I remember John McBride, and there's many, many stories about John. Well, I want to put on another record about Miami here, and then I'm going to come up with a couple of commercials that people can identify. Well, I'm going to do a commercial right now and see if folks can remember this one. I love this commercial. Johnny and Max Paint and Body Shops have a question for you. Do you have a used car you'd like to have look like a new car? If so, Johnny and Mac can do it for you, and monthly specials make it easy to buy. Let the magic of Johnny and Mac's paint and body shops work for you. Call now for locations and free estimates. Miami, 633-0181. Fort Lauderdale, 581-8500. Johnny and Mac by the railroad track. Quality painting, and that's a fact. They had a nice little jingle that followed, and, and I couldn't capture that on my sound recording, but... Uh, uh, that was that was about as uh, uh, popular a commercial as uh, as any commercial that you'd hear. Uh, of course, we had Jackie Gleason delivering his uh, show from Miami, and also Arthur Godfrey. You, yeah. you remember those days, Arthur Godfrey and and Jackie Godfrey, Gleason? Yeah. 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 And um, here's one from Jackie Gleason. I think it. I think it is. If I can get it going. From the sun and fun, capital of the world, Miami Beach. The time has come. Listen to this. For the triumphant return <laughs> of the great one. How sweet it is! How sweet it is! How sweet it is! <laughs> oh, he was so popular for that one. <laughs> oh, wasn't he? You know, they the two entertainers, Arthur Godfrey and Jackie Gleason, did a lot for Miami uh, tourism, bringing a lot of folks into Miami. And, of course, the three airlines that, uh, that were based in Miami, I mean, the three major ones, of course, was Eastern, National, and Pan American. But, uh, of course, Arthur Godfrey had identified with Eastern Airlines primarily. And yeah. uh, to the to the point that Eddie Rickenbacker gave him a DC three, and uh, right they, made him, they did made him an honorary did. captain too. That's right, <laughs> that's right. Put four stripes around his sleeve. That's right. Yeah, yeah. As a matter of fact, I think there were five. Someone told me there were five stripes, but uh, I think that fifth stripe was a star. I, it, I think it was because I, I've seen a lot of pictures and I never saw five stripes. But uh, yeah, he, yeah, he had the. Uh, you know the uh, seniority uh, stripes, and you know as you as you know with Eastern, they had the on the on the sleeve, they had the hat yeah. ring, and they had the whole stars. Yeah, that's around. right. They had the little that's bars right. too for a while for each year. 
So, yeah, there are quite yeah. a few of those, but he had all of those, I think. Yeah, yeah. Well, the first house my wife and I owned in Miami was right behind the Travelers Hotel there on 36th Street. And uh, I was with Eastern at the time, and we looked for a home uh, after I moved to uh, Atlanta. I mean, before I, I, I moved to Miami or to Atlanta, I should say, we bought a house. And I remember that three-bedroom, two-bath house was $18,000 in Miami yeah, Springs on Manola. Changed. Manolta Drive, Manola Drive, yeah. excuse me, and yeah. um, that was right across the street. Well, it was right there on the corner where Ronnie's Lounge was in the Traveler's Motel. Yeah. 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 Okay, well, I'm going to play one more song here about Miami, and then we'll chat a little bit more, Mike. Okay. I don't know what this one is.
Well, believe it or not, that was Bette Midler. Was that it? Was, yeah, you could have yeah. fooled me on that one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Bette Midler. Well, it was fun growing up in Miami, and I'm sure you enjoyed uh, the area of New York. And I, I told one of our hosts, George Jen, who lives right across the way from you where you are yeah. on Long Island, I told him that uh, I think I knew more about Manhattan than he did. And he grew up in New York and, and on Long Island, of course. And, and you guys never did get to the city as much as we did from Atlanta, from the Atlanta base. Of course, we laid over there. And right. when, when we, I was talking to you before we got on the air, uh, you were mainly flying corporate jets and so forth uh, out of uh, Newark, I believe. You were based in Newark. Yeah. We had White yeah. Plains and uh, uh, Westchester County Airport up north of Long Island and uh, and Newark. Uh, we had the the Boeing at Newark and the, the the smaller airplanes. I used to fly the Gulfstream and the uh, and the Hawker, the British Hawker. Yeah. Uh, they used to keep those based up there. Oh, yeah, I remember yeah. flying into New York when I first came into the company. Uh, on the conveyor laying laying over and then on the Electra uh, three-man crew but uh, we used to get off at the old terminal in Newark back in the 60s early 60s and go through the parking lot take the 101 bus in the Penn Station and get out and then get on get on the subway I think it was the subway that we would uh, go underneath the uh, streets of uh, Manhattan and right. lo and behold, come up to sunlight uh, right close to the Manhattan Hotel where we where I first lay, lay, laid over yeah. when we had the layovers. And and then we uh, also used the old Paramount Hotel and the Edison Hotel, real cheapies. And that's when we had to pay for our own rooms on our layovers. And uh, I remember yeah. the cheapest one. Most of the pilots wanted to stay at the Edison up because I think it was $6 a night. And yeah. the Paramount was about $9, and they were almost across the street from each other. But uh, we couldn't uh, – the Manhattan Hotel was a little bit uh, more expensive. I don't know whether that hotel is still there or not. But uh, one of the landmarks there, and of course, besides Times Square, right next to it is where I ate most of the time, and that was at Nathan's, Nathan's yeah. Hot Dogs. Right, and I yeah. think they originated on Coney Island, didn't they? They did, yes. Yeah, and I remember going in uh, late uh, when we get in, uh, walk down to Times Square, get me either a, a, pe- a pizza, a slice of pizza, pizza, and and put my finger in the middle of it and fold it and eat that sucker walking down That's Broadway right. or either go into Nathan's. <laughs> and, and after the show, Broadway shows were over, uh, the mink coats would show up eating hot dogs at Nathan's. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you you probably knew more about Manhattan than uh, you know, to me. I, I did not like New York City. Uh, <laughs> I used to tell everybody I lived here my pretty much my whole life, yeah. and uh, I I always say it's a fate worse than death going into to Manhattan. <laughs> Uh, I know uh, we used to go in. My grandparents lived in there for a while because my my grandfather was a uh, he was a famous jeweler. Had a jewelry store in uh, Ooh, on, the jewelry uh, on, district. Uh, no, it wasn't in the jewelry district, but it was Diamond up on Fifty uh, Eighth yeah. Street uh, oh. on Park Avenue, Fifty Eighth and Park. It was uh, yeah. He, right he'd in been the a jeweler there. For, 
and he's got a book about him, but he's uh, it was right on Park Avenue. Had a corner store there for uh, since I can remember. I was a little squirt, and uh, and the store is actually still there. It's closed now because of the the riots and everything that they had, but uh, they still operate uh, out of uh, West Palm and uh, oh. out of Nantucket. Uh, he was a famous jeweler named Seaman Sheps. And but that we're getting away from aviation right now. But uh, to get back to the Manhattan thing, uh, I never used to go into the city. I just uh, I didn't like the traffic, you know, potholes and all the horns blowing and all that stuff. So you got more of a chance to, to see it than, yeah. than I did, probably. <laughs> did you Did you go to any of the Broadway uh, shows? I did not. I did not. I stayed away from it like the plague. <laughs> <laughs> I went to one, and the only reason I did go is, do uh, you remember they had those Ticketrons or whatever they were right there on the street yes, uh, right. of Times Square? Yep. You can go and buy any tickets that were not sold before showtime. And yeah. uh, I was just wondering by, and I just uh, stopped in and wanted to know if they had any tickets available for a show, uh, you know, within a reasonable time, and uh, yeah, they did. They had one, and I can't remember what the the show was, but that was the only Broadway show I saw, and I got yeah. that ticket about half price, I think. And um, But yeah, it was a lot of fun. Uh, we really enjoyed laying over. It was one of my fun layover cities was New York. Uh, great food. Yeah. Great food. You couldn't beat the food out of New York. Um, except in New Orleans, <laughs> and and well, uh, I mean, you find good restaurants anywhere, you know how. Yeah, it you do, you do. Yeah, I used to fly with a Captain Bud Payne, who used to be the chief pilot in Chicago, until he um, transferred down to Miami. I mean, down to Atlanta, and he used to fly with him. And what a gentleman he! He always wore a suit. Uh, when he was in the layover city in New York, and he would go to one of the better restaurants. So uh, I flew with him for a month, and he almost broke my pocketbook because, you know, we would <laughs> always go to a – and you had to have a coat and tie to get in. Yeah, a lot the, of places were that way. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Mama Leone's, the Italian restaurant, uh, they were yeah. – they had uh, that policy too. And if you wanted to go real bad, they always had a coat and tie for you, <laughs> so they get you in. So you well, I, I remember, I remember my parents going into the city because they, uh, my dad was big into jazz and all of that stuff, and they yeah. they had a place called Birdland that they used to go to, and I, it was a lounge where they played all kinds mm-hmm. of jazz music in there, mm-hmm. and uh, I I never went to it. Uh, and uh, just uh, there was a whole lot of several other places that they used to go to in there all the time. But my dad, well, and my you mom know, used speaking like of going there. speaking of jazz, when I had layovers back at, with the uh, Convair and Electra days, uh, I would go down Broadway, and there was a place called the Metropole, and uh, yeah. it was where Gene Krupa was playing the drums and the yeah. Gene Krupa Orchestra. And I would hear that music. I couldn't go in because I couldn't afford the cover charge. There was a cover charge <laughs> to get in. So yeah. I'd sit there and listen to those drums of Gene Krupa, uh, actually uh, in that uh, Metropole, Metro, Metropole yeah. I think it was called. And, yeah, uh, yeah it was. Some yeah. great, great entertainment in New York. 
and of course, uh, you know, uh, RCA Music Hall. I didn't go to Mar- RCA. We used to lay over at the Sheraton, right, almost right directly across the street from yeah. the um, Carnegie Hall and the R- Radio City Music Hall. And um, well, I, uh, did you ever go to R- one of the RCA? Uh, I, I went when I was, I think, probably about 13 years old. Yeah. I, my my grandmother and my mother took me to some kind of a show at Radio City Music Hall, and they had the Rockettes there. Right. And as soon yeah. as I saw that Rockettes, I, 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 I have never been without wanting to look at women's legs ever since. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I used to take my kids when I checked out as captain and had layovers there, uh, pretty good layovers. I would uh, take one of uh, two. I had two children, and I'd take Scott, my son, and um, or either my daughter, Shay, and we would go, and I would take them to Radio City Music Hall, and they saw the Rockettes, of course. And yeah. uh, I remember seeing True Grit, with John Wayne at the uh, music at Radio City, RCA, uh-huh, and yeah. with my daughter or either my son, one of the two, whoever was with me on that particular trip. And um, they really enjoyed it. I remember my daughter, uh, we were going over to Central Park, and we were going to take a stroll through Central Park. And uh, there was a TV crew there, right there before you enter the park, across the street from the park. Hotel. I mean, was it Park Hotel? Park. The yeah, the I think there was Park one. Hotel. Yeah, the Park Park Hotel. I think it was a Park Hotel. And um, Colonel Sanders was out filming a commercial, and yeah. so we got close to that, and she got to see the original Colonel Sanders yeah. um, <laughs> making that commercial there. So we. We yeah. had a lot of fun on our visits, and of course, I took them up to the Empire State Building and uh, over to uh, Liberty Island over there to see the Statue of Liberty. And, and right, um, yeah, the kids had a lot of fun on those layovers. Yeah, yeah, and Miami had its own share of great entertainment as well. You know, you, if you were in uh, uh, horse horse races, of course, there was Hylia. There was. Yep. Uh, the dog tracks and the high lie and of course uh, the Miami hurricanes and I had uh, the opportunity to, to fly them on a charter flight the hurricanes the year they won the uh, bowl championship it wasn't then that they were number one in the nation with Johnny Johnson yeah. I mean uh, uh, Jimmy Johnson was a coach yeah. and um, I chartered that they, they I was a captain on the 757 and uh, I think I've told the story a few times on a radio show that I delayed their trip going up to Providence for that Boston College first game of the year. But uh, one of the strange, uh, interesting things about that trip was the whole first-class section was sold out to um, uh, boosters. And these boosters paid $10,000 per seat in the 757 first class. Yeah. Of course, that was you know booster money for the for the hurricanes, and yeah. um, very interesting. Yeah. Yep. And you know, Eastern would delay a passenger flight or take a passenger flight off the line if something happened to one of their charters of the hurricanes. That's how dedicated Eastern Airlines was to the hurricanes. 
Well, as we know, Eastern Eastern was a very dedicated to its employees and other things that they did. Uh, we've discussed on other shows that they are exactly. They, that's why they were the great the, the family, the greatest airline. Yep, you're right. You're absolutely 100% right. Now, now, of course, we had other bases besides Miami, New York, but um, and Atlanta and. We can talk about Atlanta, uh, one of one of our future shows, because I like to talk about things like uh, the Fox Theater and the the the, the, the uh, Big Rooster there in Marietta, being landmarks kind of, and um, yeah. because I spent about 26 years in the Miami area, or a little bit longer than 26 years I guess before we moved to Florida, and um, but it was a great base and. And I remember the old time, uh, the the olden days, even in Miami, when when you know the training was in the the reservations, the ticket office there on 36th Street, we had right above it, uh, the training was, and that's where I was hired, by the way, uh, yeah. with uh, Ob Bivens uh, hired me, and uh, in, 19, in February of 1963, best day of best day of my life. Hiring with well, Easter. Almost. I was still in yeah. the. I was in the Air Force at that time. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, you you. How long were you with Eastern? You were just a few years as maintenance. Uh, I I was only there for about eleven and a half years. Okay. Okay. Well, you enjoyed that corporate flying because when we talk them on radio shows when we talk about foreign airports foreign countries uh, you've been there you've flown into it well it's definitely a, a different uh, different twist on on aviation because it's uh, it's kind of like i say it's a you go from uh, it's a yo-yo system you're on your own most of the time so you don't have much backup anywhere so that makes that's what makes it interesting because uh, most of the uh, corporate operations, uh, you know, to even get hired for one, at least it was in the past, if you wanted to even get a job as a co-pilot on, one of the prerequisites was to you had to have a, an A&P license with some experience on the aircraft you were flying. This way here, if it if it broke somewhere, you could uh, you could either work on it or arrange to get somebody who knew what they were doing to work on it. Yeah. Uh, because uh, you you kind of were on your own most of the time, and uh, and you didn't have any support for parts or uh, you know you couldn't call dispatch and say what what do you want us to do because we had to look at each other and say what are we going to do. <laughs> yeah. And they did put you up in some uh, real nice hotels, didn't they? Well, see, the outfits that I worked for, they uh, they they were all four and five star. I mean, it's you can't. Uh, it's just a totally different deal. Where uh, we, you know, we we were always in Marriott, whatever was the best hotels around. We stayed in, and we were always in the concierge levels and yeah. all of that stuff. And we had transport, uh, first class transport to wherever we wanted to go, and we had expense accounts that. Uh, Covered most of everything that you could ever want to do, and I, I for years I just kept pinching myself and saying, "How could I, you know, I, I, how am I? How did I ever fall into this being a kind of a yeah. dummy to begin with?" So, <laughs> yeah. so it's just uh, uh, you know a story for in depth for another another show sometime, you know. 
Well, it was entirely different than flying for the majors. And uh, what was the one thing that you did not like about? Was it uh, the frequency of your of your work schedule, or what? What was one thing that you didn't like about the corporate world? Well, the the main thing was airline airline schedules are you have a schedule. If somebody, you know, I'm not I play golf, but not very much, and I'm not very good at it. But if I somebody decided to say, hey, I want to uh, I want to play, uh, let's let's set up a foursome to go play golf. Uh, uh, at the end of the month on Thursday uh, at, at such and such a place, and uh, can we make it a date? Now, if you were flying with the airlines, you knew what your schedule was. So I said, yeah. yeah, make it a date. And they said, yeah. with the corporate field, you never knew what was going to happen with the thing. So you were you you had a general idea, but uh, things would always change, and you could be on the road on a long – you would stay away for sometimes months at a time. You wouldn't be, you know, just a couple of days out and a couple, you know, back again. Well, Mike, you weren't so, flying uh, under Part 121 regulations, were you? No, no, we were on Part 91, but uh, in in the later days, we were under a, a 125, which is basically yeah. a a uh, it's a, with a an exemption for to operate under Part 91 with 125 regulations, because yeah. it's a 125 is kind of like. The same as 91 with parts of 121 all thrown in, and you have to have a tailored manual to uh, to stipulate. You have to have the whole manual, uh, like it's kind of like a 121 manual, but you have to have all the parts in there that uh, the ones you don't uh, have to uh, abide by, the, the regulations, they have to be stipulated that you don't have to abide by them. So, But you have to have the whole manual tailored to your own yeah. particular operation and approved by the FAA, uh, whoever is the FISDO, uh, you know, Flight Standards District Office that handles your particular airplane. And there was three inspectors always in, in a, assigned to your airplane. You had an ops inspector, you had a maintenance inspector, and an avionics inspector, and they all had to buy off on your manuals. Uh-huh. So it was a constant battle with the uh, with the FAA to get them approved and they don't they're they're not uh they're diversified in a way where they don't uh they don't one FBO might not agree with what one of the other ones says so if you over switch your manuals mm-hmm. would have to be re reapproved again so okay. that's that's uh, how about a, a your time limitations there. well how many hours could you fly 100 that was mostly yeah, there, w- there was no limitation there was huh. none. Well, Basically, 91 we, we, had 1,000 hours for, per year, I think, was the maximum that you could fly 91, wasn't it? We 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 could, under the 91, you were basically, you you, you could fly, you could, I mean, I had trips where I flew, I, I was up for like 36 hours or longer, Ooh. and I flew probably tw- uh, close to 22 hours before I got some sleep, you know, flew from oh, Kuwait all the way to... Uh, Kuwait all the way through to L.A. and then up to San Jose before I finally hit the hotel. Oh, my God. Uh, and then we did the reverse a couple of days later. <laughs> wow. Man. Uh. You know, and you, you, get so, you know how you can tell when you're getting tired? This is when your, upper, when your lower lids are closing against the upper ones. <laughs> <laughs> and toothpicks won't help. <laughs> That's right. You snap them. 
Yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah, there's a lot, lot of, of there's a there's a big difference between yeah. uh, you know the actual air carrier you know airline and corporate because of uh, and then all the training was uh, an, on another note was we trained with all of the different airlines and it was always a hassle because the, the people who trained us were used to their procedures and we were used to ours but we had to adapt to theirs for the, just for the training. We trained at Eastern, TWA, Continental, Pan Am, Western. I mean, it, the list goes on and on and on to all the different oh, airlines boy. that we used to. Yeah. Until Flight Safety down in Miami started training on the 727, uh, but that had all and it, it had all Eastern guys yeah. uh, who were instructors down there. However, mm-hmm. the only bad part about that whole thing that they had the Eastern guys that were in teaching in that facility were the as i call them the brand x pilots Mm. so we didn't have too much fun training there because most of the time we did our training in in dallas with the old uh with braniff and uh, that's where i got my initial rating uh on the 7-2 was through braniff and uh, but the training was they always had a different scenario and a different syllabus, and you had to use all of their manuals because they weren't familiar with our procedures. So yeah. we they we had to kind of they had to bend just a little bit, and we had to bend a little bit, and it was it was a bit of a hassle. Well, it's uh, been a, uh, a fun hour that's gone by real quickly, and yeah. uh, talking about Eastern Airlines and Miami and New York, and a little bit about the corporate. A world of flying, and um, I've enjoyed it. A lot of fun. So yeah, we we always have a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. Uh, one <laughs> of these days, I'll be talking myself when you won't show up. And uh, Jim Holder <laughs> normally is with us, and he's out uh, filling potholes. I think he said where trees used to be, and that he cut down. And and Carrie, his wife, wants him to fill those holes up, or I think that's what it was. And well, and, uh, as long as he doesn't fall into one of them. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> but it's always good talking about Eastern and uh, good old days. Yeah. And I think that's a great song that we start to show off with Once Upon a Long Time Ago. Because a yeah, lot of those, uh, that, those lyrics uh, of that song, uh, you can put Eastern Airlines in there and, um, and you feel right at home with that song. Yeah, well, okay. for any of the listeners, as you know, Captain Neil, uh, any of the listeners out there, at uh, the song "Once Upon a Long Time Ago," if they if they uh, they can appreciate the song better if they go on the computer and and look that up because it has yeah. a video that goes along with it, and it's yeah. it, it, and it's the video is terrific. Well, speaking of uh, listeners, we had listeners last week from Peru, uh, Yemen. Yemen, is that the way you pronounce that? Senegal, yes. Denmark, Serbia, uh, Dominican Republic, Australia, Switzerland, Slovakia, Senegal, Russia, China, Argentina, Brazil, Ukraine, and that's just a few of them that tuned us in. Of course, most all of Europe, uh, the UK, France, uh, Spain, Portugal, they're all in there too. And uh, so we don't have. Don't forget the lo- NSA. Don't forget the NSA. 
<laughs> right, they're listening too. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Maybe, maybe up in space they're listening to it because the uh, cyber satellite that carries these broadcasts might be flying right along with the space station. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, maybe they could tune us in up there as they're circling the Earth. There you go. Now, how would that be identified on the world chart? <laughs> that would be pretty neat. <laughs> but, you know, it's fun looking at the stats every week to see who tuned us in and how many. It doesn't tell you how many, but it tells you the percentage of listeners that tune us in from Russia or China or Slovakia. I know the young man in Slovakia. Hello there, Chris. I know you're listening to our show. So uh, hello and hope everything is well there in Slovakia. And uh, I have met a few people, different countries around the world. So uh, we're glad to transmit this uh, radio show. And folks are not only interested in in Eastern Airlines, but some music as well on Mondays. And we have the show on Thursday evenings called Aviation News and History Radio Show. And we talk about just about everything in aviation, NASA, drones, helicopters, blimps, you name it, we talk about it. If, uh, well, you if you got uh, for all your ten years of uh, plus of doing radio shows and uh, the way you do them all and all that. It's uh, this is why you have all of these listeners all around the world. It's uh, it's it's basically it's it's all it's all been done out of your out of your backyard, Neil. <laughs> well, I hope they're not tuning in, learning to, to to learn how to speak English, because my southern voice and Jim Holder's southern voice and as some of the dialects that we have here in this country is not helpful in learning uh, <laughs> learning English, I don't guess. Well, like I like I've always said, you haven't lived until you talk to all of these international controllers all around the world, the ones that speak oh, because they've got a hot potato in their mouths. <laughs> now you know that'd be a good show right there by itself. Uh, about uh, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, listen, I'm going to uh, take us out of here and. Uh, uh, if uh, we can invite all of our listeners to our Thursday show, it starts on eight at eight p.m. and um, it's called Aviation News and History Radio Show, and we'd like to have you back with us. And uh, that uh, you can find on our website. And so I'm going to take us out of here with the song that we normally uh, have as our bumper sign-off music. Uh, Silver Wings by Merle Haggard. Here we go. Mike, been good talking with you. Thanks for okay, being with Captain me Neil. today. And uh, All right. maybe maybe next next week you can be a solo, and uh, I won't show up. How's that sound? I wouldn't know what <laughs> buttons to push. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll see you. We'll see you next week, Mike. Thanks okay, so much. Okay, Captain Neil.